Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 107 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Tai, nutritional therapy practitioner, and I have a special episode for you guys today. Uh, typically, I would be releasing, I'm releasing podcasts every other Tuesday, and I just had a podcast release this past, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday bef- um, before. So this would t- typically be an off week. Um, with a new one coming out next week. But I thought in the light of everything that's going on right now in our world and in our country with the coronavirus and um, the kind of all of the information that's out there, that this would be a really good opportunity to do a special episode. I did a special recording with my friend, Dr. Darlene Mayo. She is a neuroscientist and a neurosurgeon, and she has uh, agreed to come on and talk with me, um, give us some tips regarding the coronavirus, give us the facts of the coronavirus, and maybe even more importantly, because those things are out of our control. There's nothing we can do. The facts are the facts. Um, but she is giving us some some tips that we can do as far as boosting immunity, but also at really helping to take control of our thoughts, um, really helping to push the anxiety and the fear out because <clears throat> no amount of fear or anxiety has ever done anybody any good in any situation. So just <clears throat> being able to really kind of rein those thoughts in, take those thoughts captive, and, and what we do, what it is based on science that we can do to really help ourselves to have more happiness, have less fear, less anxiety, like kind of the things that we need to be focusing on. Um, And she helps explain why going down that path actually weakens our immune system um, and can actually put us more at risk. So really explaining to us why we need to change those thought processes and patterns and and how to get basically just how to get our brains rewired um, on our own time, just just by things that we're thinking, things that we're ruminating on, things we're watching, things we're bringing in, taking in. So um, I thought this was a very timely episode. I literally just recorded this today with her this afternoon, and um, she was just so kind to give me her time again today. She, she was a special guest on my group coaching call this past Tuesday and answering um, specific questions that my group coaching clients had. So it was a wonderful time, um, that time with her, and then she agreed to come on so that I could share with you guys um, through my podcast and through YouTube the you know the this part of it and kind of to expand a little bit on on those things that we talked about in Tuesday's group call. So real quick before I get to this episode, I do want to speaking of the group call, if you are not a group coaching client, this is a wonderful time to become a group coaching client. I know many of us are sequestered to our homes. 
Um, we are not going into the office to work. You know, we're working from home. We're doing the best we can. This would be a really great time to group, to join group coaching. We get together once a week in a Zoom call that you are able to jump on from your home computer or your um, iPhone or whatever cellular device you have. Um, it would be a great time to gather your kids and family around and have them join in on that call with you, have them listen, listen to the information. Um, each week's call is different, but we're always focused on just health and wellness, lifestyle tips. It is not all keto, um, but it's we're just really focused on, I'm focused on giving you guys the latest information that I have and how to just live your life in the most you know well, healthy, way that I can possibly help you to do it. So it's a great time. You can ask any questions that you have, and it's a wonderful hour that we spend together. And then if you miss the call on Tuesdays at one and you're not able to make that, then they're all recorded and you're able to get that recording. Um, only my group coaching clients get those. And so you're able to watch it at your leisure whenever you want. So this might be a good time to get started doing that and really start making some changes um, in the life of your of your family, you know, this is a time where we're all starting to think about, you know, how healthy am I, and am I doing the things that I need to be doing to be able to keep a serious, life-threatening, you know, infection like this away, like a, a viral infection. Like, am I am I in the right place that I need to be to give myself and my family the best fighting chance? So this is a it's a really good way to think about things and to start getting those things in order. And as a mom of five myself, we definitely spend a lot of time talking about how you can make this lifestyle work for your family and just being as healthy as you can be. Okay, so I think that you guys get the idea. So if you're interested in doing the coaching, the group coaching, which I hope that you are, please jump over to jessicatai.com, click on the link for group coaching and go ahead and get signed up for that. Um, sooner than later. Go ahead and get in there, get your spot. I'm excited, hopefully, to be working with you soon. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into this awesome interview with Dr. Darlene Mayo. All right, hello, friends, and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Tai, nutritional therapy practitioner, and as always, happy to be here with you guys today. So I have a very special guest here with me. Her name is Dr. Darlene Mayo. She is a neurosurgeon and a neuroscientist who helps high achievers reach peak performance of mind, body, and spirit using unique techniques in neuroscience so you can unlock your full potential. Through online coaching programs, workshops, and private consulting, she helps entrepreneurs and executives boost business, revitalize relationships, and elevate energy. Her books, How to Walk on Fire and Stop Spilling Your Soup, transform lives daily by helping you maximize the function of your brain and body. Her highly anticipated next book, Keys to Your Breakthrough, is expected to be released in spring of 2020. Dr. Mayo's influence reaches to global stages as high as highly sought after speaker and to her interviews have been featured on Fox News, CBN, Inside Science, Thrive Global, and many other media outlets. Dr. Mayo's credentials include an undergraduate degree from Duke University, medical school and neurosurgery residency at the Medical College of Georgia, clinical and research fellowships at UCLA, Emory, Mayo Clinic, and the Atomic Energy Commission in Grenoble, France. 
Um, she has practiced as a neurosurgeon for 10 years and has conducted research in how to use neuroscience to maximize the function of the brain for the last 20 years. She is certified as an executive coach, holds a certification as an educator, and is an honored member of Dr. Caroline Leaf's Integrated Mind Network. She made the leap from traditional medical practice to consulting and coaching because she felt called to use her knowledge and talents to help you break free from the limits of your mind in addition to helping you heal the limits of your body. Since making that transition, she has been able to create a life of joy and freedom for herself and her family. And because of her experience, she is ideally positioned to help you do the same. I am so excited to welcome her to the podcast today. Welcome, Dr. Darlene Mayo. How are you? Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. Yes. So I'm happy to be talking to you again. So you are a personal friend yes. and um, I'm, I'm honored to be able to call you that. But I also um, just want to let the listeners know that I had you on for my group coaching class this past week. You, had, you agreed to join that small group um, and kind of talk to us a little bit about this whole coronavirus and kind of what you know about that. So I thought um, there's several topics I want to talk to you about, but I thought that we could start there because I know this is like top of mind for everybody right now is the coronavirus and um, kind of what we really need to know about it. What are the facts? Because there's so much information out there and I know not all of it's correct. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for having me on to talk about this. So I'm going to give a, a little brief overview about what we know, what the situation is right now, and then some things that are recommended to help you either stay healthy or uh, in the recovery from this if you do get sick with it, okay? So very first case of coronavirus was actually uh, December 31st in 2019. So that was in China and did not spread to the United States until it was first diagnosed in January, January 19th, so exactly two months ago today. Wow. And coronavirus, it's a virus, which I want to make the distinction between what a bacteria and a virus is so people can understand some things about the treatment. So with bacterias, which commonly cause things like pneumonia, they are treatable with antibiotics. Viruses, on the other hand, are not treatable with antibiotics. They get into your body, they divide, they replicate, and until your immune system takes over and kills them, they are in your body. So there, that's why there is not a treatment per se, other than treating symptoms right now for that. Now, uh, coronaviruses in general have been around for a while. This is a new type of coronavirus that has never been diagnosed before these last few months. So that's why it's called the novel coronavirus. You may have heard that terminology as well. Now, it is a respiratory virus, so it affects the lungs uh, mainly and causes fever, it causes shortness of breath, and it causes cough. And in particular, shortness of breath is something that really distinguishes this from a flu or influenza, which is something very, very important, because right now we are still, unfortunately, in the midst of flu season in addition to this. So sometimes people are wondering what their symptoms are. And if you do wind up going to get tested, if your doctor or hospital recommends that, they will be testing you for both influenza and for coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I also wanna make a distinction about the difference between this and the common cold. So common cold is going to cause less chance of a fever, it's gonna cause more nasal symptoms. So stuffy nose, runny nose, and sneezing, okay? So those are just some general distinctions between coronavirus and the other common illnesses. 
coronavirus is spread by respiratory droplets mainly, all right? So that's if you sneeze on somebody or cough on somebody, okay? Within six feet, uh, that is the distance that they have determined that is most, it is most commonly spread. It uh, can be spread somewhat in the air. You have to be very close and it's not stable in the air for very long. It can live on surfaces for an extended period of time. So that is one of the reasons why it has been recommended to wipe down surfaces with cleaners uh, that you um, are maybe exposed to this. Now, I, I did want to mention, uh, we I compared this to some of the numbers from influenza because I think this is really, really important to understand, okay? And people, I, I've seen a lot of commentary that, oh, this really isn't such a big deal, right? Because we have so much more influenza. And so I wanna really speak to that right now um, because it's not quite as simple as that. Influenza, it's something we deal with every year. Okay, it's very common. The numbers for last year's flu season, so 2018 to 2019, which spans usually October through April, okay, so around a six month period, there were 35 million people in the United States alone who got influenza. There were 34,000 deaths from influenza over that six month period. Coronavirus right now is, so the first case diagnosed two months ago, there's um, 11,274 cases as of right now in the United States, and there's been 155 deaths. So I do want to put that in perspective, but I also want to mention that we are rapidly, the diagnosis of coronavirus is rapidly changing, okay? So the hard numbers would suggest to some people that this that the response has been over exaggerated but it's important to understand that testing has not been extensive until very recently in the united states so there are estimates that these numbers are actually much higher and i think until this pandemic ends we're not going to be able to look back on those numbers okay so i just want to encourage your listeners to really understand both sides of that story okay so i hope that's helpful and I, I also want to mention about coronavirus. So if you do, um, if you are exposed to somebody who has the disease or if you are sick and unsure what you have right now, you are being recommended absolutely to stay at home unless you are severely short of breath and then please call 911 or have somebody call for you and let them know that you could potentially have this. Um, and need to be treated right away. But if you are symptomatic, it's important to call your doctor, call the hospital first before just showing up. I will tell you that the hospitals have excellent screening outside of them right now. They will not even let you in the front door <laughs> without undergoing all of these questions, finding out if you've had a fever, shortness of breath or cough, or if you've been out of the country within the last 14 days. But that's to keep you safe and it's also to keep everyone else safe. Also get a lot of questions about, do I need a mask? <laughs> so if you are not sick yourself, no, you do not need a mask. Healthcare workers are a different exception. You know what you're supposed to do if you're in that category, you've been well guided for that. Um, but if you have some person, let's say you have one person in your home who is sick, 
they need to wear a mask. If they cannot wear a mask for some reason, let's say they're on oxygen or another reason, then whoever is bringing them food or bringing them what they need, they should wear a mask when entering that room. If you have someone at home who's sick and they are being asked to recover at home because 80% of these cases really do not need inpatient medical care. So that's some good news mm -hmm. about this virus, right? Um, then you would want to stay isolated from the rest of the individuals who are not sick in your home. Ideally use a different bathroom. If you have to share common areas, such as a kitchen, then try to do that as a different time from the rest of your family. Mm -hmm. So, and then be sure all those surfaces are cleaned down with a good cleaner. And then obviously washing, washing hands, we all need to be doing that very frequently anyway. People don't realize how to do that. Mm. You know, it's 20 seconds with warm soapy water, but it's really washing the fingers is, is where that transmission is most common. I see a lot of people wash their hands and focus on the palms. That's they're not, not where you're not getting in between fingers. And I tell my no. kids to do that and sing the alphabet twice. Yes. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> or happy birthday. That's another one that, I, that I've heard too. But yeah, I know as a surgeon, and, you know, you learn to, you know, when you're prepping for surgery, you scrub each individual finger many mm -hmm. times and we kind of want to, we want to focus on that too. Um, yeah, so, so the good news is 80% of the cases are, uh, have a milder um, infection, which is good. The folks that are at greater risk, we need to talk about definitely. Mm -hmm. Anyone over the age of 65, your immune system in general is not as strong as when you are younger. Of course, there's exceptions to that rule, but that's a general guideline. Also, if you have chronic heart problems, chronic lung problems, or diabetes, you're considered immune compromised, so your immune system doesn't work quite as well. So you are actually right now uh, being asked to stay home and stay out um, out of public areas mm -hmm. just so you can protect yourself as well. Now, I did look at the um, statistics for influenza as far as older folks, and there's some things that we can learn potentially that may be applicable to coronavirus here. So uh, a third of older individuals or those in that high-risk category actually do not have a fever when they have the flu. So it's possible that you, if you're in one of those categories and don't have a fever, but have these other symptoms, you still could be sick as well. So you want to pay attention to that. And then, you know, unfortunately, most of the deaths from the flu are in those groups. So those are individuals who are at higher risk. So you certainly want to stay, um, you know, self-isolate if you can right now. And then uh, be sure to do what you can to boost your immune system. So I have some, some tips I would can share on that if you, do you have any other questions right now about what I've talked about? Um, no, well, one thing I would like to say, and then I would love to hear your tips about boosting immunity, because I think that is a great thing to, for, for people to focus on. Um, but one of the things that came up during our group coaching call when you were on there was someone had bronchitis and she was saying, well, does that mean you're more susceptible? And I think the general the general answer there would be if you have, if you currently are dealing with some type of infection or, or sickness of any type that is involving your lungs, mm -hmm. then you are probably much more susceptible to having issues should you come in contact with this virus. 
Yeah, absolutely true, Jessica, because uh, the thing is your immune system is already trying to fight something else or just recovering from having fought something mm -hmm. else. So even in that recovery period, you know, for those first couple of weeks afterwards, it does, your, your immune system is somewhat compromised. So very important to know that. Okay. So for that individual, as well as everyone else, we really should be focused on giving our immune system support and yes. building that up. So help us, Dr. Mayo, how do we do that? What are some things we could be doing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, first and foremost, eat healthy food. It's really easy. Amen, sister. <laughs> I know. To choose. It's easy to want to choose the chocolate ice cream right now as a comfort food, but it's so important what you're putting in your body. You want to be sure you're giving it good nutrition and not adding extra toxins in. So we want to be avoiding processed foods as much as possible. We want to avoid, you know, the sodas and the diet sodas and things like that. So really focus on uh, fresh uh, or fresh frozen fruits and vegetables are excellent choices right now. They're very high in vitamin C and a lot of those are high in vitamin D as well. People forget about vitamin D for the immune system. Mm -hmm. So, so powerful for that. Um, also be sure you're getting your enough protein and all of these dietary guidelines that I'm giving you, of course, if you have a particular medical condition that precludes you from certain things, please follow the guidance of your doctor with that. But this is in general. Uh, and then get out in the sun, in the sunshine. Too. That's a wonderful source of vitamin D. So if you know, if especially we've got a nice fenced backyard here, so we try to get out and get some sunshine privately every day. Uh, also, if you can do a little bit of exercise every day, it does not have to be strenuous. That's a wonderful way to boost your immune system. So if you're sick, obviously you have to do, you know, take care of yourself first and that may not be the best choice, but if you're not sick, you know, take, take some walks or if you have a treadmill at home or even floor exercises, that kind of thing to get your heart rate up. That's very, very helpful as well. Water, so, so important. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. So normally I tell you, if you weigh in pounds, it should be half your body weight in ounces in water. If you weigh in kilograms, it should be about a one for one. In this time, I would actually increase it a little bit. You know, just really try to keep your system flushed out. Also, uh, you brought up a great point the other day about getting sleep. That is so important. Mm -hmm. I encourage everybody right now, get an extra hour sleep if you can. You know, uh, that's a great way to boost the immune system. And certainly if you're sick, it's one of the times that um, your body repairs itself really well. You know, the other things are um, the news can really damage your body, believe it or not, and watching negative news. People don't think about this, but watching it all the time, it causes you to be very stressed. And when you're stressed, one of the things that happens is your body releases cortisol. Now, cortisol, it can be helpful in certain situations, but in a chronic situation like this, okay, what it does is it depresses your immune system, first of all. Mm -hmm. So if you're there and you're watching the news all the time, you're actually lowering your immunity. The other thing that it does actually in the brain, it affects the brain chemicals when you become afraid, right? And you're exposed to this negative information. It lowers your, your dopamine, your serotonin, these happiness neurochemicals that you have, and it can cause you to start feeling depressed. Depression also has been linked with low immune response. Okay. So I tell folks one time a day, get on the news, find out what you need to know about what you need to do, right? That's really the only reason you need to be watching the news right now is to find out what the rules are.
right? Mm -hmm. Five minutes, you know, as, as little as you can and then turn it off. And then do not watch the news first thing in the morning because you do not want to set your tone for your day with something negative. Yeah, and please yeah. do not watch it right before bed. Your brain, while you are sleeping, your brain is very active. It takes the last thing that you have given it and it basically works on that during the night. It assumes that that's something you want it to focus on. So it's coming up with all kinds of pathways around this. So not only can this lead to bad dreams, but it can actually lead to forming fear pathways in your brain at night while you're sleeping. So no news right before bed. <laughs> so those are, those are obviously not everything, but those are, those are some main um, points that I did want to bring up. That's great. I love those. And so actually kind of on the same vein, uh, tomorrow I am part of a, um, a, a live video that a friend of mine in the health and wellness space is doing on Facebook. And our topic that we're going to be talking about for people is happiness how to boost your happiness right now. Um, because we are, like you just mentioned, this is a crazy time. People have got a lot of anxiety. We're, um, you know, we really, man, our brain, her brains can just run away with that, right? We can just start, yeah. we can come up with all kinds of scenarios that are not even the littlest bit true, but we can convince ourselves in a very short amount of time. So um, I think it's really important right now to be focused on happiness and how do we boost that and how do we focus on those things. But kind of in that same vein, um, can you talk to us a little bit about kind of transition into brain health here, um, since that is your bread and butter. I mean, this is what you know as well or better than anyone. Um, can you kind of help us understand why the, um, the anxiety of like watching the news and, and hearing all this bad the bad news and, and all of these types of things, why that builds these pathways in our brain and why that can make us depressed, why that kind of explain to us how all of that works and why we really want to stay away from that. Yeah. Yeah. I will go into a lot more detail about that. Actually, you'll have to tell me when you've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, okay, okay. We don't understand anymore. <laughs> All right. I get excited about this topic. So, all right. So one of the things that you should know, anytime you have a thought, anytime you say something, anytime you take an action, you actually start to form a pathway in your brain, even if it's just one time. The more times you have the same thought over and over again, the more intense that pathway gets. It's just like if you walked through the woods one time, you'd start to form a path, but you walk through the woods a hundred times the same way you're going to have a nice formed path. Same thing happens in your brain over time. So you want to pay attention to what are those thoughts going through your mind, first of all. When you're watching the news and things where, you know, you're hearing about all this negativity, it's very difficult not to have those thoughts going through your mind, right? So you are beginning to form these pathways based on fear. You really want to be sure that you are spending an abundance of time actually building up healthy thought pathways. What is the truth, right? The truth is this is going to be over at some point. We don't know when that is, but it is going to be over at some point. And then focusing on some very positive things as well. So we don't, if you don't do that, what's going to happen is you're going to essentially be creating a lens through which you're looking at the world, even after this is all over, that's based on fear and making decisions based on fear. What happens in the brain when you're afraid, I mentioned to you, it lowers these happiness brain chemicals, right? So your mm -hmm. dopamine and your serotonin. The other thing it does, 
So our thinking and reasoning part of our brain, it's up in the top, the cortex area, right? So when we're afraid, that part essentially, it almost shuts down if you want to think about it. That's oversimplified, but essentially it almost shuts it's down. It's overridden basically, right? Like, it is overridden. And so yeah. the focus in your brain, it's really at your brainstem level and where your emotions lay. So your, your body's trying to keep you alive, your heart beating and your lungs breathing and anything else, it's shut off. So you start thinking with your emotions, which is never good because our emotions are there as a guide to tell us there's something wrong, right? They're not there for us to live our lives by. You know, I, I like to use an analogy that our emotions, they're like a thermometer for our mental health or our mind, okay? Would you, if you have a fever at home, okay, a regular fever, you take your temperature and you see your temperature is high, do you just sit there and say, oh my gosh, my temperature is high. I can't do anything. I can't think about anything. No, you're going to treat your temperature, right? Mm -hmm. But here we are. We have emotions. We have emotions like fear. We have emotions like depression. And then we sit there and we don't make changes. There's something you need to do when you start to feel those things. And in this case, one of those things you can do is turn off the news, right? <laughs> and do those things that you know will elevate those happy brain chemicals to help fight this, right? So, so Dr. Mayo, I have a question for you. When this, yeah. when this kicks in, is this where we talk about the sympathetic nervous system? Is this the fight or flight? This is why we get into a fight with someone or we get mad in traffic and we do or say things that we're like, oh my gosh, who was that? That was not me. Like, I, I don't say things like that. I don't react like that. And then afterwards, when the cortex takes back over, we go, oh my gosh, I feel terrible. I can't believe I did that. Yeah, that was perfectly said, Jessica. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what is going on. It's your sympathetic nervous system that's being over. I mean, it's just taking over. So we normally have sympathetic and parasympathetic that are ideally supposed to be imbalanced. So things to do, you know, to even activate that opposite system, that parasympathetic nervous system, like meditation or prayer and yoga and these sorts even of things. Deep right? Even um, deep breaths. Even yeah, deep breathing yeah. is a wonderful thing to do. But that so. literally will activate the parasympathetic because when, when we're, and, and tell me if I'm off or I'm oversimplifying this, but my understanding is that if you, um, we are chronically in a sympathetic state anyway, in today's world, but that if we're having a hard time getting into the parasympathetic state, that it's really good to just take a few deep breaths because our body recognizes, our brain recognizes if you have the ability to slow down and take some deep breaths, then you must not be in an emergency situation. You, you have, it, it tells your brain, it gives it the signal that everything is okay. She's slowed down. She's taken breaths. Everything's good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important. And I'd love to share a particular breathing technique. Uh, I will credit yeah. this to Dr. Caroline Leaf because this, <laughs> this is her technique, but it's called box breathing. So it's uh, you breathe in over four counts, you hold your breath for four counts, you breathe out over four counts, and then wait four counts again and breathe in. So it's, you know, a box yeah. breathing. And if oh, that's you do awesome. that, it's actually impossible to continue to think about whatever else was stressing you because you're sitting there trying to count. And in doing so, then you are breathing deeply. You are activating your parasympathetic nervous system. So just honestly, within maybe even five rounds of that, you will have significantly calmed down. So anybody that finds themselves in a panicked situation or even a high anxiety situation, 
that's a wonderful, wonderful technique to use. That's great. Maybe I'll practice that the next time. Uh, I'm, I'm getting frustrated because <laughs> after the kids have been home so long, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm changing my name. Stop <laughs> saying mom. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I just the, need to do the box breathing technique. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm I know. Yeah. You, For all the new homeschool thing. teachers that we have. <laughs> I'm like, shoot, I did not sign up for this. I knew I couldn't be a teacher. <laughs> I know, right? I guess we're all stretching ourselves in new and exciting ways. It's all good. <laughs> that's great. That's a really useful, practical tip that anybody can do. That's that's a right. good one to remember. So I will definitely continue to remember that. And I will help talk to my clients in the future about that. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, along those lines, the other thing that I wanted to mention is about really building relationships in whatever way that you can do that right now. So uh, if you have, if you're blessed to have family living with you right now, then spending time with them, engaging with them. If nobody's sick, then hugs for at least 20 seconds are very, very powerful because you actually release this wonderful brain chemical. It's one of my favorites. It's called oxytocin. And not only does it elevate your happiness level, your trust level. So mm -hmm. trust is related to faith and hope. So important right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it also lower, it helps to lower your cortisol as well. So if you do live alone, then even if you have a pet, then you can actually activate oxytocin by petting them or playing with them. Mm -hmm. And then even interactions like this are incredible. So over video or over the phone, if that's what you have, don't neglect those relationships just because we can't go out and gather in a restaurant right now or, mm -hmm. or even in a you know church and that sort of place right now. So. That's good. I love that one. And um, that is definitely something I've been telling people to do is the good old hugs and release of oxytocin and just how important that is. And that if, like you said, if you're at home with your family and you have the ability to do that, to really try to implement that more. I mean, I know some people aren't necessarily huggers, <laughs> but this might be a good time to start <laughs> doing yeah. that. Yeah, it won't. Yeah. Hugs are when, when everyone's healthy here, every, hugs are, hugs are very good and very helpful. Yeah. So, so that is great information. So on a practical level, if we are trying to, <clears throat> if we're trying to avoid the negative thought patterns and we're trying to avoid creating those pathways. Mm -hmm. um, what are some tips that you would give us to helping to build the positive pathways? Are there other things that we should do? Are there steps we should take when we have those negative thoughts that we need to just, is it just as simple as just saying, okay, well, I just, um, like maybe saying daily affirmations, is that going to change uh -huh. the thought pattern or do we need to do something more intentional? Yeah. So you bring up a wonderful point. So I work with my clients about this all the time because there's, there's this thought process out there and a lot of people promote daily positive affirmations, which are very, very good. They are only half of the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are building up positive pathways. You can build up positive pathways in your brain. Thank God, just as easily as mm -hmm. negative ones. But if your foundation has a negative pathway. So whatever belief you have that, oh, I'm somebody that gets sick all the time. Let's say that's a, a belief that you've had for a long time. You can say as many af positive affirmations as you want. I'm healthy. I'm well, you know, I'm never sick. What happens is those pathways kind of build, it's like a bridge on top of this super highway of negativity. So anytime, like, let's say you sneeze, like all of those new pathways will very easily get wiped away 
if you have not also taken time to break down the negative pathways. So what I teach my clients to do is we have to do both. We have to actively look at what are your beliefs right now, okay, that are, that are negative. And, and if you have negative beliefs, then those, that is not based on the truth of who you are right? I, I firmly believe this. So you need to look at that. And actually, as you would take out the legs from underneath the table, look at all the reasons why whatever you're believing is not true. So, so can I interject here real quick, Dr. Yes. Mayo? Can I, what if we took this from, since this is a wellness podcast and I'm a nutritionist, so I like to talk about nutrition. Yeah. Um, let, can, can we, can you give me specific examples if if you're a person listening to this, that let's say that they have this default thought pattern that they are, that nothing ever works for them, no matter what diet, whatever lifestyle they try, it never works. They're never going to be well. They're never going to lose weight. They're never going to be back to where they felt good. They just, you know, cause I see this all the time. They just, they, they, they're trying to do something, but truly they don't believe they're going to be able to achieve whatever that goal is. Mm -hmm. Can we look at it from that perspective? Yeah, that's a wonderful perspective to look at that from. So yeah, so let's say you believe that. You, you believe that you cannot be below a certain weight. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's say you believe that. Then what you need to do is look at that. Is that has that always been true at every single moment of your life? Okay, okay, first of all. That's good. Well, that obviously, no, we all mm -hmm. grew up at no point. You know, at right. some point you were below that. So, I mean, that's at a very, very basic level. But people tend to, when they're stressed or frustrated or feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed does the same thing as fear to the brain, mm -hmm. right? We forget. It actually reduces serotonin as one of our memory brain chemicals. So you forget about things. You forget about the time that maybe you did go on a diet, right? And you did exercise every day and you followed your nutritionist's mm -hmm. advice. And, oh, guess what? You actually did get down to that weight before, but you've forgotten. So those are, those are some ways and you have to, you need to write that down and say, you know what? This is not true because one, two, three, four, right? And give yourself the proof. And in doing that, you actually get your brain out of that overwhelm, activate your cortex and begin to realize that. And you start chipping away at that pathway that highway that's been formed in your brain. Mm -hmm. I call it taking a jackhammer to <laughs> those highways, <laughs> right? And breaking those down. And then you can, I, what I actually coach my clients to do is when you have those negative pathways and you've written them down after you're done with that, you tear up that part, get rid of it. And then you write down all the truths about, and, and I'll teach you something about affirmations. I actually, I actually don't like the word affirmations. Um, so I call what I like to use as mantras, okay? Because those are about who you are as a person and not necessarily attaining something. So someone that wants to weigh, I don't know, 130 pounds, mm -hmm. okay? Then I will ask them, what, what does that mean to you? What does somebody who weighs 130 pounds, you know, what, what are their qualities? What are they like, okay? Because what, that does as you go deeper and deeper and find out what that means to who you will be, who you will become as a person when you have achieved this thing, you're actually activating a very powerful part of your brain that is involved with goal setting and achievement. Okay. 
So it is, is much more powerful. If you believe that you're somebody, okay, so when I'm 130 pounds, I'm going to be healthier. Okay, well, why is that important to you? Well, I, I love my family and I can't do the things with my children that I want to do, you know, and you can take that as deep as mm -hmm. you want until it really becomes something about who you are. That becomes so, so powerful. And then that becomes your mantra, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing about that is, with affirmations or mantras, whatever you want to, to use that terminology, if you say something that your brain believes is false at the time, it will actually kick it out. It treats it like a virus, incidentally, enough, okay, and kicks it out. It's just the way it is. It, it, it has like almost an immune response to it and gets wow. rid of it. So if you, you know, if you say you wake up every morning and you say, I am 130 pounds and you get on the scale and you're 155 your brain, it's, it's gone. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no pathway formed. If you say something like I am making healthy choices every day that are enabling me to be the weight, my ideal weight of 130 pounds. I mean, you can even feel the difference right in that when you say that, and that's not a lie. I'm making choices. I am becoming these, this type of language is so, so powerful to even more quickly building up those positive brain pathways. And the more emotion that you can inject into those emotion, it'll release dopamine. And guess what? Another benefit of dopamine is it helps to build those pathways so much faster. So that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what about this? I'm, <laughs> so I'm wondering what a neurosurgeon and a neuroscientist says about this. Um, help me to understand, like I, I will um, advise people to keep a gratitude journal because I think yes. it's super important to focus on things that we're grateful for. Can you talk to me a little bit about if there's any, um, if there's any proof to that or there's any, is there any scientific um, proof or explanation that you can give us that yes, keeping a gratitude journal is good for your brain. Is that going to help us with the anxiety? Will that help boost happiness? What does that do? Or am I just telling people to do something that's a total waste of time? <laughs> so yeah, there's been, and if I am, then make something up, make me feel better. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. There's a ton of research on this. Actually, it has been studied quite extensively. So gratitude does some amazing things for the brain. Not only does it help to boost your happiness, brain chemicals, but it also changes the frequency of your brain waves. So a lot of us spend time, especially right now with what are, they're called high beta frequencies. So they're, it's a very active brain. Okay. If you looked at it with a special type of you know, uh, electrical brain scan, then you would see all of this area lit up just because you're thinking and you're Are these stressed. the what if brain waves? Yes, that what if, oh my what goodness. If, what if, what if. What if can be good, but what if can also be bad yeah. in these scenarios. So gratitude journals along, um, and another thing along those lines is prayer actually slows down your brain frequencies and gets them closer to a uh, theta frequency, which is provides a lot of insight for you. And so it slows down those patterns in the brain, which, um, which is absolutely wonderful. So there's been a number of clinical studies on that. And it's mm -hmm. documented that with regular gratitude, individuals are happier, even after writing gratitudes for one day. But the longer you do it, obviously, you build up those gratitude pathways in your brain and you begin to look at the world through a lens of gratitude. So you begin, it makes it easier in stressful times like this 
to look around and say, wow, you know what? I've got a roof over my head. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone in my home is healthy right now. We have some food in our pantry. Mm-hmm. You begin to automatically look at the world like that. So if you're struggling right now, that's an excellent, excellent suggestion. And even when times are, you know, good and everyone's happy and we're out of this, you know, in, you know, a couple of months or whenever it's over, then writing those gratitudes every day. I I started doing a gratitude journal as um, a daily practice, probably, I don't know, maybe, oh gosh, it's been a long time now. I was, uh, I was in France. So 2011, so almost 10 years now, every single day. And it is so, so powerful when you do that. And there's a lot of brain science to back you up. So you keep telling your folks that. All right, good. Well, and I specifically tell people that I, my favorite time for them to do it, which now makes more sense because really I don't just tell people things and don't research it first, but often I've told people things for so long that I'm like, where did I read about that? What was it that made me start telling people to do that again? Gratitude is one of those things, and I and I do know that I have read exactly what you're saying. Um, is that it does it calms your mind as well, it calms those brain waves. And so I tell people to do it before going to bed at night, before going to sleep, so that those are the thoughts. Number one, it's calming, and number two, those are the thoughts that you are, um, you know ruminating on that your brain's ruminating on even after you've fallen asleep and you don't realize your subconscious is still chewing on these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great time. So I, you know, first thing in the morning and last thing at night, but to speak to the last thing at night along those lines, you know, your if you choose a gratitude right before bedtime, then you're telling your brain, I want more of this, right? And so it's actively going to work on ways to get you more of those things in your life that you are grateful for. So it's also a good time at night if you're needing to come up with an idea for something is just to put the thought in your mind, it would be really nice if I knew how to do X, Y, Z, right? Go to sleep, your brain starts, it starts testing things during the night and it starts trying to connect different brain cells and brain networks together and see, I wonder if this memory over here can help me. I wonder if this thought process over here can help me. And it will actually craft the solution for you a lot of times in the middle of the night when you're trying to come up with a solution. Wow, that is so fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing. And you know, I love supercomputers, but I do not believe that any supercomputer super will ever be built that is magnificent as the human brain. I think that we just do not know how to tap into its full potential. So that's why I'm so passionate about the work I do to help individuals, you know, you learn how to maximize that capacity and then you know what what we can do for the world will just be incredible yeah that's awesome this has been such great information i love this and so timely with everything that we're all dealing with right now because i think even the most you know level-headed of us right now are you know are we can tend to go down those paths if we let ourselves start thinking too much about the negative things and getting, you know, anxiety or wondering, like, I wonder how long this is really the what ifs, right? And then I break, I mean, I know I do that a lot. And if I don't rein those thoughts in when I'm going to bed at night, I definitely sit and do the what ifs or I do, I do a lot of the, um, 
of the, I have to get this done and that done and this done and that done. And then, and I'm like, oh, my brain's just going like, oh, I hope I, oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta fit that in sometime tomorrow. And oh, I hope I don't forget to do that. So another thing I'll ask people to do is if that is you and your brain is just constantly thinking is to write that list down, Mm -hmm. write it down, let your brain be like, okay, that's it. It's written down. I've got it. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then is there any science behind, I know it helps me, but is there any science behind that specifically? Yeah, because otherwise, until it's written down on a piece of paper, then you're, what you're trying to do, the reason why you're ruminating over this is you're trying to move from your short-term memory to your long-term memory so you don't forget. Mm. It's not even possible to do that that quickly, right? Unless the only time that ever happens is if you have a super traumatic event. But when we're sitting there going over our to-do list for the next day, that's what your brain's trying to do. It's trying to like create this groove so much faster, right? Over and over and over again. But when you write it down, you don't have to store that in your long-term memory. Same thing with the cell phones, right? Mm -hmm. We've got all our phone numbers programmed, so we don't have to spend space in our brain trying to remember those phone numbers. So there is actually science behind behind that, which is powerful. Um, I do want to pick up on one other thing you said, because I think this is important. You know, I think people can, can look at you, you know, or look at me in my position and say, oh, it's so easy for you. You have this all together. You've been doing this for a long time. And I, you know, I appreciate what you said about that. You have those, those thoughts sometimes too, that have to be reined in. And I'd like to be vulnerable about that too. You know, it's normal. It is normal. It is not normal to not be somewhat concerned in this kind of situation, whether you're concerned about the virus or concerned about the response to it in the world. That is a normal thing. I deal with those thoughts every day. These are things that I implement in my life every single day actively so that these thoughts do not overtake me. And I know you use the techniques that you talk about all the time yourself. It becomes dangerous sometimes. There, Some individuals have a tendency to just say, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to refuse to think about it. Well, there, there's a few people in the world like that, very, very deeply, deeply spiritually grounded, who can get to that point. Okay. Yeah, I can't. It is not the majority of the population, okay? So when most people are doing that and they're saying, not going to worry, not going to worry, not going to worry, the fear is actually building up in your brain, okay? And those fear pathways are getting laid down. You're just choosing to ignore them right now. That is like building up water behind a dam. Mm. So at some point, what's going to happen is there's something that's going to be just a little too much water behind that dam and it's going to come crashing through. So, uh, you know, you know who I'm talking about. If you're one of the people that's at that faith level that you don't have to worry at all. Okay. That's not who I'm talking to here. I'm talking to, you know, probably 99% of the world (laughs) right now. So think about, think about things and, and face them just like with breaking down the negative pathways, right. That we talked about, you can't ignore things. They get stuck in your brain and there will be Uh, a negative result as a result of that, most likely if you don't accept it and use these management techniques to help work it out and get it out of your brain, out of your mind. So you let that go and then you can fill up with these good and positive things and thoughts. Yeah, I love that. And I I think this is a good, maybe a good, um, kind of goes along with, I'm always telling people, take your thoughts captive. Like don't, 
don't just like you said, and I never, I never put it this all together because I'm not a neurosurgeon, but, <laughs> but to, to, instead of just pushing those thoughts away and be like, no, no, I'm not going to think about that. It's like, no, no, no. Take that thought captive and get, you know, give it, you know, give it the time that you really are thinking about this, but then taking maybe some of the, the tips that you're giving us to then explain, you know, help your, it's almost like your brain is a whole nother being in your body or something like you have to help to explain to your brain why that is, why you're taking that thought captive, why that's not going to be the truth and what the truth is going to be like just grabbing onto that and saying, no brain, don't listen to that. This is actually what it's going to be. And this is why this is what you need to believe. Absolutely. So you've already got my process down. So you're good to go. Because I've listened to you enough. <laughs> See, it works, Darlene. It works. Yes. <laughs> I may not always remember why I do those things, but I know I'm supposed to do them. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. So this is awesome. I am so grateful to you for coming on here and sharing all these tips with us. And I know that if anybody is listening to this, I am sure that they are just getting a taste of this and thinking, oh my gosh, I want more. How do I, how do I learn more about this? How maybe they even are realizing how awesome you are and they would like to work with you in the future. Can you tell us, and of course I'll put this in all the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, I will put it in the description here on YouTube, but um, give us the information. How do people get in touch with you? Do you work with people one-on-one? Do you have groups? How do you do that? Well, I do all of the above. So I do, I do a lot of, of speaking, which right now is all online. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's good. Um, I do group coaching and then I also do, I have a limited amount of one-on-one, but I do offer some one-on-one services. So right now, I think one of the easiest ways to reach out to me is on social media. So on uh, my page, which is Darlene Mayo MD, you can also send me a, a direct message there. That's a good way to connect with me. And then I can uh, assess what you need and help you get connected with that. I also have a channel on YouTube. It's called Mind Your Brain. So uh, that's uh, I post a lot of my videos up on YouTube as well. But I, I give content like this very frequently and uh, would also, uh, when the book is out, we can come back and uh, add a link to that would be great as well. Yeah. I'm sure. That's awesome. So that's due that. out next month, right? April of 2020? Yeah, April. I We'll see if the publication is going to be on time right. with all this. Hopefully it will. But yes, it should be out April or May at the latest. Okay, that's awesome. And what is the main focus of that book? What is the main topic? Uh, yes, so keys to your breakthrough. So it's actually combining how we combine both science and faith to get breakthrough because there are there's a lot of keys in, in scripture in the Bible that when you understand there there's science behind them and and i believe that god designed all of this to work together when they they're not opposite a lot of people they believe oh science is the only way or faith is the only way but when they work together and you see this throughout the bible a lot of paradoxes mm -hmm. right seeming paradoxes is where the keys are and then i also share some stories from my own personal life about how i've, I've used this combination to get breakthrough in everything from, you know, uh, relationships to children to uh, jobs and and all kinds of things. So I think it'll be a really powerful book. I'm excited to share it. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I will definitely make sure that we've got links to all of that stuff in the show notes so people have an easy way to be able to connect with you. And I just want to say thank you again for being on here today and sharing all of your awesome knowledge with my listeners and viewers today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 